episode is brought to you by Habit Aware. If you follow me on social media, you may have seen me wearing a watch with a lilac colored band. That's a keen too, and it's much more than a watch. It's a life changer. I've had trichotillomania for 22 years, and I always thought of myself as a conscious puller. But when I started wearing the keen too, I realized that was not the case. The keen two's motion sensing technology gives my wrist a gentle vibration or hug every time my hand reaches for my hair bringing me to awareness so that I can make a different choice. Start bringing awareness into your life by going to barbaralally.com slash habit aware. I've had many years with body focus, repetitive behaviors. For me, it started when I was a child. I would nail bite constantly. I would constantly being told off by my parents. You know, they'd bought me all these liquors to to put my fingers in. That made them taste disgusting. And, and But it wouldn't stop me. I'd still do it. And then when I got to puberty, all of a sudden, my focus went onto my skin because of skin changes. All of a sudden, you know, I had pimples or, or you know, like oily areas of the skin and dry patches and stuff. And, and I became a bit fixated so after that the nail biting completely stopped but the skin picking and grazing and constant assessing first thing in the morning till last thing at night would carry on for many years uh, about probably 17 years Uh, I'm 31 now and it's something that I actively manage um, and things are a hell of a lot better in the the last few years but actually One thing that I found very interesting, as a cancer patient, I got diagnosed uh, with breast cancer in December 2022, is that the hair element has never really been much of an issue to me. But now, all of a sudden, because different triggers are happening in my life and with the hair loss, as a cancer patient going through chemo, all of a sudden, hair is a big deal. It's something that you're desperately trying to keep, but also you're trying to even out or make it look a certain way or, or trying to for it to grow and it, you know can become quite obsessive and so I've noticed certain behaviors in recent months where I've had to you know mentally tell myself step back because I know what's happening I can see this behavior taking place and we don't want to go there so it hasn't been just one but I feel like that's quite common with a lot of people with BFRBs is it doesn't necessarily need to be one does it I love that you said I know this behavior I can totally relate to that. As a teen, my acne flared up, and I already had trichotillomania for quite some time, but I was constantly in the mirror picking my skin. And I too said to myself, yeah, I know this trance. I've been here before. That dopamine rush, that that feeling of reward, pleasure, satisfaction, and then the feelings that come after that when you're out the trance, where all of a sudden you feel guilt and shame and embarrassment, and you're trying to conceal what you've done and you're disappointed in yourself because you know why am I keep why do I keep going back and doing this over and over again and so as you say it, you start to notice these feelings that 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 urge that comes like oh maybe I'll I'll just do this just one time or just for one minute and then I'll stop I'll just look at this one area and that's all but it never is that is it I know when I first developed trichotillomania I was often told it was a bad habit I would grow out of besides your parents helping with the nail polish how did they react to your nail biting what else did they do? 
I think they they didn't really know quite how to help. All they knew is that, well, they just saw it as nothing more than a habit and they just wanted me to stop. So I think they kind of tried to help through tough love by bringing awareness to what I was doing. And then, you know, to say like, stop biting your nails, leaving nails alone, trying to help me see in my mind's eye what my eye, what my nails could look like if I left them alone. Uh, and that kind of pressure, but unknowing, like, you know, I understand there was no, there was no malice towards how they were uh, being about it. They just, they just didn't know what was going to be effective. And so I think they thought by pressurizing and saying, stop doing that and bringing it to light, that would stop it. And they understand the difference now. And for many people, it is just a habit. But I think when there's an emotional dependency, a reliance on these behaviors, that's when you have to look into it a bit more. When you feel like, actually, I feel quite out of control with this behavior. I feel like a, a conscious, a conscious stop. And that's something that, you know, in hindsight, now as an adult, we've talked about and, and they understand more. But I think for them, at that time, buying the the, the liquor at, at a drugstore that's specifically designed to help people stop biting nails because it tastes so bad. I can still, in my mind, remember the taste of it because it's so horrible. But yeah, I'd still do it. So that just goes to show for me, even when I didn't know what BFRBs were back then as a child, how I still relied on it so much because I was happy to still do the behavior, even with the disgusting taste that came with it. When you were skin picking, how did you learn the name for the behavior you were doing? I think after like a good few years of doing it, I got to like my college years and all of a sudden to me, it was kind of like, right, well, you know, I expected when I finished high school and all the stresses that came with that, that I, my skin would just clear or from me not touching it, you know, once the stresses were away the triggers were, were were no longer a thing or I moved you know to a different area which I did and you know expanded my friend circle and I thought that this would be a great opportunity to kind of start again it was a fresh mentality and to just focus on bettering myself and this you know the skin picking behavior wasn't in my vision but of course it doesn't necessarily work that way and obviously when you start college and you're in a new environment away from your family all of a sudden there's new triggers right so that's what happened to me and i found that i was like right okay well i feel and for many years i felt like people are only seeing a part of me a part of me that i'm happy to show people but they're not seeing the full me they're not seeing the hours that i'm spending under bright lights locked away in a bathroom or in bed with the, the light from a phone or whatever it is helping me with my behaviors and so at that time I mean this was well this was ugh, over 10 years ago maybe about 12 13 years ago now I was looking online and we didn't have you know the social media channels especially how they are now back then and so I'd see like you know online forums I've seen more of these certain terms popping up. I I'd heard about hair pulling and I'm sure you can appreciate, you know, back then, not like it is now. The awareness of that was growing, but misconceptions uh, were so high and it kind of made, you know, if you saw it on TV, you, they always made it look like somebody who did that was, was a crazy person. That's like, okay, <laughs> right. And so when I was looking online, I was like trying to, I was trying to see like, you know, after a long picking session where I felt so hurt and, and, and I was in physical pain and I was just like, I need this to stop. I would look online and I would see these forums of people around the world who were 
anonymously discussing their struggles and how they were experiencing a skin picking disorder, also known as dermatillomania or exploration disorder. And that's that's kind of what started my passion towards discussing and highlighting the topic and trying to raise awareness and reducing the, the shame and stigma that comes around skin picking disorder, but also BFRBs in general, because so many people, as we mentioned before, have more than one or have experience in one and then experience in another later on or, or are still engaging in multiple at the same time. When did you start to feel comfortable enough to share with other people about your BFRB? It was about five years ago. Instagram was a lot more what it is now, you know, where people were using platforms like that to get to know other people around the world. And it's a great way to, I guess, find your people, find your communities, or at least create your communities if there isn't one that you can find. And at that time, I just felt like I wanted to find people out there who resonated with my story because I knew it wasn't just me out there feeling these feelings, even though it feels very isolating and alienating in the moment. I knew it couldn't just be me with billions of people in this in this world, you know? So I just kind of started sharing you know my love for like skincare at the time I lived in uh, central London very busy very you know the environment is just crazy and it was a nice little passion project of mine at the time to kind of just share what kind of skincare products I loved and stuff and then the more I got to talking to people the more I noticed that I wasn't alone in this behavior Um, and so I started to just bit by bit start sharing my experience and the more people received that positively and I didn't I didn't receive the shame and judgment that I thought I was going to receive because that's how I felt about myself the more I was like actually you know what it's okay to speak your truth and and to you know just bit by bit push your comfort zone a little bit and and be out there and when it comes to, to things like that you're in control of how much you want to share how much of yourself you want to to put out there to someone there's many people that do it and they stay completely anonymous. But I kind of used that at that time as a way to be a bit of a guinea pig as well. So every time I would have a session where I felt like I had a you know, step back in my progress, I would see it as, okay, how can I create content around this so that I can better understand what I've done and how I can move forward from that and maybe not do it as much or for as long or or as hard again because that could potentially also help someone else and so I found that by using myself and my own experiences to be able to share a wider message that would resonate with others it made me feel like okay well this is actually by doing so reducing the shame that I feel and it's bringing a sense of something positive out of a negative experience and although it's not me saying that I would indulge in the behavior purely for content no I knew that it would be something I'd have to actively manage a day-to-day basis but I knew that you know by sharing content and sharing my truth on social channels that it could bring awareness to to other people people that are very early in their journeys and don't know that there's a wider community of people that totally get it it was around that time where I was like, you know what, let's let's stop being honest with myself and maybe it can help someone else too. Has there been anyone from your personal life that has seen your account and said, I do this too, I just never told you? 
Yeah, absolutely. When I started my account, I didn't have like close people really following it. They started to because you know how the algorithm is like, you know, you might know this person, but I think I just didn't change settings at that time. I didn't really think about it. And so I'd, you know, some family members at that time started following and we did have these conversations you know and they came there was a lot of curiosity with that it wasn't judgment or you know I've still to this day I've never had I think maybe you know five years of being open about that maybe I've had like two negative messages by you know trolls that I would just immediately delete when you think about all the positive messages I've had in that time in comparison like in contrast it's like so overwhelming you know there's look these two messages they're nothing I don't even I can't even remember but friends family yeah they have I've got I've had like co-workers I've had friends very close friends who I had no idea family members as well so I've got two younger sisters uh, the youngest one she does and my dad actually does as well on my own podcast, I had a guest on a psychotherapist called Karen Pickett, and we were actually talking about the predisposition element to BFRBs, because I think a lot of people don't realize that it's a predisposed condition, the same way that you could have heart disease in your family. These behaviors can just start, and it's, it kind of is for a lot of people, you know, when you're struggling with the idea of like, when the hell, when went to this start? Like, why did I choose to do this kind of thing? I think, you know, that's, that's also a really interesting conversation. And it shocked me when I found out that members of my own family do it as well. But I think so many of us in the BFRB community can understand when I say that we can be quite masters of disguise sometimes. We can hide it really well because we've tried trial and error in so many different ways to keep it under wraps. So it doesn't actually surprise me at the same time that there's people in my life that are like, I do that too, because I'm like, okay, well, if I shocked you, you shocked me. And it, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> You mentioned posting about skincare when you first started posting on social media. What are some products you still use or some that you wouldn't use at all? I mean, there's things that I absolutely don't use, which would be like a tweezer and a magnifying mirror. They are absolutely, <laughs> I have a restraining order on a magnifying mirror. They cannot come within, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just, I don't know who created those, but I, I hate them. I really, really hate them as people. Sorry, putting out there. Um, but in terms of skincare, I think like things that are um, that I will not go outside without having on is for me an SPF fifty. Like a high, high strength sunscreen is an absolute must. I swear by that. Doesn't matter what time of the year it is, all seasons, three hundred sixty five days a year, I'll be wearing that. But there's other things, you know, like I, I like to draw as much moisture to my skin as possible. So, you know, hyaluronic acid, as well as like niacinamide. I love I love looking for those kind of key ingredients in products. And I, I particularly really like French skincare. I'm not saying I only use French skincare, but there's just, you know, some brands that I've liked over the years. But I think my love for skincare for many years has been because I've been trying to conceal and undo the damage that I did to my skin for so long. So it was a very warped relationship with my skin because for me, I would pick my skin because I was trying to perfect it, trying to purify it, trying to remove what I felt was not meant to be there a pimple or you know some dry skin or like a little bump or whatever it is it's like right that that needs to go 
And so I found that rather than using skincare as a way to try and undo the damage that I caused, I now kind of see it as, you know, an, a relevant act of self-care to make myself feel feel better and to, you know, say, well done today, or, you know, we're putting on these products that you love so that you feel confident and ready to, to tackle the day ahead. I'm with you. I cannot have a magnified mirror in my house. I haven't had one in like 20 years. Heart palpitations, if that's within it, I can feel it. I'm like, you have, I could walk into a house, you have a magnifying mirror in this vicinity. I feel it. <laughs> How did you build a more positive relationship with the regular mirrors around you? You know, the ones in the bathroom or the living room? I think what really worked for me is I had a look at the trigger environments, the places I kept going to. And I realized the mornings were, were a great example of that because I realized as soon as I woke up in the morning, the first place I went to was the bathroom, right? Like, it's just like a go-to. I mean, I immediately go there. But if I'm in that environment and I turn the, the lights on or whatever it is, depending on how late it is, I immediately would then go to the to the mirror and go straight up and I'd start assessing and I'd be looking at the damage I did the night before and to see has it went down is there anything that I need to remove now and you know that obsession would start as soon as I woke up sometimes even you know if I had a particularly stressful day there'd be times where I'd wake up and I'm doing it in my sleep I'm, I'm grazing my skin I'm looking for things in my sleep and so I, I knew that I had to have a look at the environment and I had to change that in order for me to build a better relationship and to restructure my day. So for me, I realized like, right, okay, well, first waking up first thing in the morning and going to the bathroom and doing this is not work. It's not helping and it's not starting my day off the way I want it to. I mean, it's always guaranteeing I have an unpleasant start because the dopamine does not last and it always is followed with feelings of shame, guilt, disappointment, sadness, etc. So for me, um, I was like, right, well, we're not going to go there first thing. And instead, we're going to sit here on, you know, the couch downstairs, whatever it is, take, you know, take my makeup, whatever it is, I need to, to, whatever I need to get me to this new environment, get it ready and go. And I started doing that. And I started looking at, and I know that's not necessarily practical, but you're trying to, or I was trying to reframe my mind from this automatic routine that I had created. And it's like, we're going to learn a new routine now until you feel like you've actively managed this well enough. So, you know, it's like, it's not forever. It doesn't have to be forever, but it, it will be temporary provided you do the work and you, you're feeling a bit better with this behavior. And, and so I started investing in a couple of things to help. And so like, I got these battery powered uh, motion sensor LED lights and I would got a, I got a few of them so that it was enough to to brighten up the room when I needed to go into the bathroom. I didn't have to turn anything on. I would just walk in and they'd come up, but they would be bright enough to see, but still dim enough that it would be very hard to look in the mirror and pick, you know, I could take my makeup off, I could put makeup on to, to an extent, but really it was to try and eliminate that the long periods of time under bright lights, etc. 
and I would I made like a positive playlist so music that I really liked and it it made me feel good listening to you know if I had like a shower first thing in the morning I'd put that on and it's setting my day up the way I want and it's given me the dopamine that I'm that I'm craving without having to go to a behavior for it and so you know I'd be having a little dance and I'm listening to this music and I've got some lighting that makes me feel a bit better especially if I'm undressing and I'm going and and having a shower you know nobody like well I can only talk myself here but I hate when you go into a like a fitting room in a in a store and like to try some clothes on and they have like dentist lights in the and you're like really this is you think I want to buy your products when you're making me look like this so like and and the lighting in my bathroom is not that far off so these lamps were really helpful because I was like, oh, you know what? I'm not feeling triggered but getting undressed here now. Like I actually, I'm focusing more on the music and, and getting ready and, and having a nicer experience. I'm not thinking about, oh my God, like I look like this. Oh, you know, what's that? Okay, I need to fixate on that. Do you know what I mean? So I think it was just a case of like the, the self-awareness that you have to take the time and, and, and explore and be like, okay, this is this part of my day and this area is troubling me in, in, in successfully managing this behavior. So what can I do to change it to get me to rejig in my mind, rewire my relationship with this environment? Because it's not a case of, okay, Kim, don't ever go in your bathroom ever again. And you can wash with your sink. Like that's just not really going to work. But like, you can still I can still go in there but I had to I had to change the ritual so that it was more pleasant and I knew that every time I was going in that bathroom I wasn't going to be met with all of these um negative emotions that I had attributed to the space for so long I had to create some new positive moments in that space so that my mind would be like oh this is the place that we go and we listen to our music and we're having fun and we're getting ready for the day and it just takes a little bit of repetition you know to for it to become a habit for your mind to to start thinking that way i could talk about habit aware and all of the wonderful work they do all day long not only does the keen to bring awareness to your bfrb with gentle vibrations it tracks your vibrations, which allows you to look at your own personal data and make informed decisions. You might be thinking, how do I see my data? Easy, by looking at the Keen 2 app. What if I need help configuring my Keen 2? Schedule a free call with someone from the HabitAware team. Looking for additional support and or community? Join the HabitAware BFRB Change Collective. Start your journey with HabitAware by going to barbaralally.com slash HabitAware today. When I was younger, I would hide my bald patches with thick headbands and certain clips so that people wouldn't notice. What are some ways you used to cover the areas that you picked? If they were really bad and they needed, you know, actual wounds and I had to put dressings on them, then what I usually would do is I would just, you know, coordinate my outfit to kind of hide, like conceal that area so that it would just heal because I knew that applying something on it could potentially add bacteria to the wound and, and maybe make it infected. And the last thing I wanted was to have to have a conversation with my doctor or my family around or, or at the hospital or whatever and be like, you know, this is, how did this happen? Uh, 
I did it, you know, and, and, and especially for a lot of people, if they're not aware of BFRBs, they, I think there's still that misconception around it being self-harm. And so I think there's a lot of shame. That's a big shame element with people preventing them from stepping forward and saying, I'm doing this because there's that education piece that goes with it of this isn't necessarily self-harm at all. And I never felt like mine was an act of self-harm. Yes, I am doing a behavior that is is on myself, yes, but I'm not doing it for that reason. For me, I'm doing it because I'm trying to, I feel a compulsive need to perfect the skin and my appearance and so for me um yeah it would usually be you know how I dress if it was really bad say it was on I don't know an area that I couldn't conceal there would be very many times in the past where I just would make up a a lame excuse and not go which is a shame and there's been many times over the years where I've bailed and it's you know affected friendships or relationships and I'm too embarrassed to say what the real reason is and that fact I actually really want to go but but I feel like I can't. In the past, I used to conceal it with a lot of a lot of body makeup as well. Like the the Vichy Derma Blend range is very good for that. It's um, waterproof as well. I think it's kind of a range that a lot of makeup artists use for like theatre actors in front of the bright lights on stage or on on films. Um, so it is really good stuff. That is a really good range. The only thing I would say is that it's it's comedogenic. So it does mean that if, and it's not very breathable. So it means that um, if someone was to use that, trying and remove it from the skin at the end of the day, because you want to try and let that area breathe as much, especially if it was like acne, for example, was the trigger. And the, because if you're putting something on that is not letting the skin breathe and it actually has ingredients that could bring a flare up in that area, then it's the opposite of what you're trying to achieve, right? It's just actually highlighting that area more with maybe more pimples or whatever. And I found that. So I would also, um, one thing I always looked at when I was trying a new skincare range or whatever is I'd, I would look and say, does it say that it's non-comedogenic? It, does it you know I'm looking for that or I'm looking on the website and I'm looking at the ingredients and you can find on online as well um you can find a list with loads of ingredients in skincare products that you put on your skin which are you know on a scale I think it's of zero to five zero being it's totally fine and you're not and your skin's not going to respond with you know a flare-up or whatever to five being it's it's quite high and the likelihood is, is is higher and that's a really good one to to use I think there's also apps as well to help that but yeah I would just I that's something that I used to use a lot when it was just kind of smaller surface things maybe scars that have healed and it's just a bit of like hyperpigmentation that I wanted to try and even out instead of like the actual wounds themselves that needed the time to heal with the appropriate dressing. Are there certain parts of your body that you find yourself going back to? Maybe parts you want to perfect more than others? Not necessarily. (laughs) I think my body would be able to confirm in this conversation that it's all been put to the test over these many years. There's not one area that hasn't, I don't think. But there's certain areas that I fixate on more over the entire period of time I think the areas that I can see up close immediately so like you know if I was looking down at my chest or my shoulders or 
things that I don't actually have to move or you know even arms or whatever depending on where my body's positioned and stuff you know if I was in a meeting and I had my arms on a table and I was trying to concentrate but maybe I was stressing about something my fingers would be running hands along the forearm stuff like that or my face if I'm getting ready in the morning and I'm focusing more on my face I'm assessing that but I think like the usual areas that I would do and not even think about it I think the other areas tend to be if I have like flare-ups so maybe like on the back or something or if I was going to wear an out an outfit and there was an area that I was worrying about so maybe I wanted to wear some shorts and all of a sudden I'm, I need to assess my legs how, how do the legs look and then next thing you know I can't wear the shorts because I've done this to my legs it happens so quickly but also and I think some people may, and it might be transferable, what I'm saying, it, it might make sense with trick as well, is what, if you've had a particular session in one area, trying to let that area heal and then going to another area because you're trying to give that area space and time to resolve itself. And so all of a sudden you're like, I'm letting you breathe. I'm letting you have a new moment. I'll leave you alone. But now I'm going to focus on you. And it's like, oh, it's a it's a whirlwind it doesn't end where can listeners find you my name's kim on skin that's not my legal name <laughs> sorry if anyone's out there called kim on skin i'm sure that's a nice name too but my name is kim <laughs> and uh, i talk about skin hence the name so you can find me on instagram on tiktok it's all just one word k-i-m-o-n-s-k-i-n and you can also find me on youtube i have some uh, videos there my podcast called The Dermatilla Diaries, where we talk about skin picking as well as, you know, more wider um, BFRB subjects. You'll find that on all the major podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, etc. I think that is it. Yeah. And then stay tuned for this book that's coming. It's going to be a labor of love. I hope I do it justice for our community. Please don't come at me with pitchforks. If I don't, I will give it my best shot. And there's some amazing professionals that are on board as well as members in the community. It's going to be a real a love letter to our community, like a like a piece that I hope people can be proud of. So yeah, check, check that out. And if you want to stay updated with the progress of that, feel free to follow me where I will be keeping, you know, those who are interested updated on how that's going. What advice would you give someone who wants to start sharing about their BFRB or just advice to those people in general? There's no better time. I feel like, especially when you look at the younger generation, Generation Z, mental health topics, and not just mental health, you know, all aspects of health, emotional, physical, spiritual, that it's never been a better time to be able to share your truth and your vulnerability to, to more people, whether you wanted to do it online or you wanted to just talk to your friends or family or medical professionals. There's never been more awareness and more information on BFRBs now like than ever before, and it's growing. So I'm actually writing a book which is going to be published internationally um, next year about BFRBs. And I'm working with those within the community, but also, again, relevant professionals to offer the insight and updated information. Um, and my role is to kind of compile all that. And I think that if you do want to share, I know it can feel really overwhelming and really, really scary. And also, the, we have to remember that these behaviors, we have a love-hate relationship with them. One minute, we want them out of our life. We want to just stop. We want these feelings to just stop. 
but if anyone was to say oh I can tell you how to do that because all of a sudden you're like oh uh well um <laughs> well hang on <laughs> wait a second wait just just one second there because it's also like our comfort safety blanket in the times when we feel like we need safety or comfort or you know what I mean so I understand at the same time that a lot of us within this community, we desperately want things to change, but at the same time, it's like, oh, but I don't know if I'm quite ready to to give that up and to stop it. So I think by taking a first step in and um, maybe sharing with a loved one, it reduces that shame and the judgment that we have towards ourselves. A problem shared is a problem halved or something like that. I do find that there's a lot that a lot of weight that's lifted when you're able to talk about it at least even to to one person you can trust who loves you and won't judge you and after that I think the more people depending on what you want but if you're feeling like you want to talk about it more to people you'll find that the more you do it the the less you mind about sharing it and often and I've never had I've never had anybody scrunch their face up at me and, and be disgusted or anything it's always curiosity I'm always met with like, it's either, I want to know more, like, you know, oh, oh, why is that, you know, like just, just curiosity or it's people saying, oh my God, like you do that too. And that's, and that's actually why that's the title of the book. The book is going to be, you know, OMG, you do that too, because that is literally what I <laughs> said to me so many times over the last few years. So yeah, I think if that is something that you're thinking about doing, then I think go for it. Dip dip that toe just a little bit. Just push that comfort zone a little bit. You don't have to, you know, jump all out there, run around naked in the street screaming. I mean, if that's what you want to do, then yeah, you could do that too. But like, there's other ways, obviously, little things that are going to push your comfort zone. And the more you do that, the more you realize that you survived that. It's like, okay, that was okay, actually. That really wasn't as bad as I made it out to be. And then you just do it a little bit more and then a little bit more and you feel the weight lift. So yeah, if if anybody was thinking about doing it, I say go for it. And I was diagnosed with cancer at 30. I was, it was three days after Christmas, one week before starting my new job and six weeks before getting married. So it really was like, yeah like a storm just turned up in my house and called me out straight away crazy nobody I don't think anybody really is quite ready when things like this when something can happen that literally flips your world upside down I've had a lot of body and appearance challenges the last few months because obviously with chemo all of a sudden you are gaining weight like no one's business and the hormone treatment that you're on it's it's harder to you know lose the weight or your hair's falling out and and there's a lot of things that in hindsight I could look back and see old pictures or videos that I posted a while ago and I'm like wow like I had such issues with my appearance then and so much insecurities and I thought I looked a certain way I thought I looked horrendous or, or whatever it was that was getting me down at the time and here I am in this predicament where a part of me just would do anything to be back in in that situation and then but I've done a lot of learning in this time I think I've used I suppose the approach that I have around the content online I've done it with this as well to try and figure out like you know how can I best navigate this 
And so what I do now is I've really found that exploring how I show up in the world through makeup or accessories or colorful outfits, whatever I want, where I feel like when I walk outside, I feel really good about myself. I like how I show up today. It's brought me a lot of dopamine. It, you know, people comment and compliment outfits and stuff, which is really nice. You know, that's a plus. But um, it's made me appreciate myself a lot more. And I'm, and I'm not talking about, you know, material things. What I'm trying to say is that things can happen that you just did not factor in. Like you did not have it in your plan. I definitely didn't plan to have chemo a couple of days after my wedding day. That just was not on the plan. And these things can make it feel like a sink or swim situation. And when it comes to your body focused repetitive behavior, it's very easy for you to just go into your shell and take every stress out on your skin or your whatever it is that you focus on. What I'm saying is if you're in that situation or you find that that, situ- that happens to you, something earth shattering happens to you and you did not see it coming obviously it's really unfortunate life can be so cruel what I ask is that rather than going straight to your behavior which I understand would be the first thing you'd probably consider is over time you know allow yourself time allow yourself to adjust to changes that are happening in your life big or small and and also you don't have to go through something earth shattering to do this you, you could just be going on with your life and nothing's happened but if you're struggling with your bfrb i ask you to look and explore new ways to provide that dopamine things that are going to make you feel really good and and the feeling of goodness that lasts so not feeling good that immediately then you then feel horrendous and all these negative feelings which happens with the behavior guaranteed for the vast majority of us, but ways that we can actually bit by bit get used and get comfortable with feeling good every day because it's achievable, it can happen. And I'm telling you that not long after chemotherapy where I have had poison through my body, I just did a campaign photo shoot for breast cancer awareness with this underwear brand. And all of us ladies were in our underwear collective, a very tasteful campaign. And this is me, 17 years with dermatillomania, and and I'm bald, patchy, bald hair, and I have, you know, a little bit extra on the on the old edges, you know. And it's like old me would have never ever have thought about doing something like that, but new me has found ways to create that dopamine where I feel good enough day to day that I'm willing to take a little bit more risk and and to dip my toe and push the boundaries a little bit more. And so look for those ways, explore what can make you feel good today and then repeat tomorrow. It doesn't have to be the same thing, but look at what you can do today that you really enjoy, that makes you feel good about yourself. And then just repeat tomorrow and repeat the next day and repeat the next day. Just keep looking because life Life is so much more fun when you come at it with curiosity. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Trick Talks. Did you know that I offer an online trichotillomania-focused course? My course is called Sharing Our Stories. As a gift to you, please use promo code TRICKTALKS25 to receive 25% off the five-session package. 
You can access this promotion at barbaralally.com. Thank you.